What's up? This is The Movie Newbie, a podcast where two movie aficionados discuss film, old and new, with a complete and utter newbie that, for most of the time, has no idea what he's talking about. Every episode, the experts give the newbie a movie to watch, then they talk about it. I'm your host, Jabril, and get ready for the show. Just a word of warning, spoilers ahead. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode of the movie newbie i'm so excited i've been waiting so long to do this like you can't imagine i've been trying to get this podcast started for quite a while so without further ado here are my two really good friends and the two aficionados the experts my guys raf and ollie how about you guys introduce yourselves Hello, hello. I am very thankful to be here and thankful to be called a, a film aficionado. I like that. I like that term. Uh, and I'm an actor currently based in Vancouver. And on to you, Ollie. Yeah, hi, guys. Really excited to be here. And um, yeah, let's get to it, shall we? So basically, as you guys know, we already explained it in the intro episode. Uh, we're going to be doing this in basically blocks of three episodes where we look at three movies uh, that are fit into a certain theme or genre. And so before we started this podcast, we were thinking of what would be a great theme to kick off this the movie newbie. And mm-hmm. as some of you, as all of you, I'm guessing, will be aware of, we are currently undergoing a pandemic in the world. And so right now we're recording this all in self-isolation, quarantined in our own homes. And so I was thinking maybe this would be a really great opportunity to do start off by looking at movies that are a single location. These are movies that are set primarily in one location because we thought, hey, maybe we could all relate to being trapped or feeling isolated in this really troubling time. And maybe talking about these movies might help us in a way. In a way. Yeah, wow. That's, I'm super excited. That sounds, well, I don't really like being, I don't like, I don't like being like stuck in this, in this house the whole time. It's super boring. There's nothing to do. Everything's closed. But then at the same time, I'm pretty happy I get to watch the movie. So bring it on. Yeah, this, yeah. Is the perfect, uh, this is the perfect time to watch movies, to celebrate movies, and to really immerse ourselves in these different worlds. And uh, to, 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 to speak further about this uh, COVID madness, there's now a bit of a sing-along that's going on outside just across the street where a bunch of people have gathered when they shouldn't be because social distancing, but to cheer up the uh, the retirement home because uh, yeah, they've just posted signs saying, well, give them a bit of happiness, give them a bit of joy in these times of need. So if you're hearing that, that's coming from outside. But enough of a tangent. Now we want to introduce you with the first film on this theme of single location. And to talk more about this, particular theme and why we chose it. I mean, the why is, is, is fine, but the reason why um, we, we really wanted to find something that's really single location is because of the limitations that it can introduce in the filmmaking process. You know, sometimes you're given ways to, to, to make films and you're, you're giving no boundaries, you're giving no limitations, no restrictions. And that can often maybe take, take a film somewhere that you don't want it to go. But with these very single location limitations, I feel like there's a lot of creative ways to, to making a film. Mm-hmm. And with the first 
film on this list is uh, one that was a bit of a sleeper hit back when it came out. It came out in 2015, and the title of this film is called Green Room. Ollie, have you heard of this film? Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, it's um, I've I've only actually seen it once before. But when you suggested this title, I got really excited because it's always been something I've wanted to revisit. Um, it's such a I mean, man, like what an ex- what a thrill ride that movie is. Uh, it's Absolutely. a real kick to the teeth. And I think it's a fantastic example of what you can do with filmmaking when you're um, cons- restricting yourself primarily to one location. Um, so, yeah, great choice. Really excited for this one. Yeah. So, Gabriel, um, before you go ahead and, and watch this film, let me just give you uh, just a slight premise, just a sprinkled premise here. It's basically about a struggling punk band uh, that witnesses a murder in one of the arenas that they play in. And they basically have to fight to survive and they are stuck in their green room. And without giving too much away, there's horror elements. So I'm sorry, Jabriel, but you're just gonna have to face that. And there's also neo-Nazism. So you're also uh, gonna yeah, have so, to face well, that I, too. A little backstory, background here, sorry. Uh, Jabriel does not like scary movies. And so we're gonna try and avoid them where we can, but sometimes he's gonna get scared, can't help it. And- and and sometimes, I mean, these horror elements are needed in the filmmaking process and they are needed to incite, you know, a certain thrill and to be, you know, there's a level of catharsism to, to, to the horror element. So I think, Jabriel, you will appreciate our doing so and giving you these, these little horror films every now and then. Oh, man. Um, I know, Jabriel, but you're just going to have to go with it. Trust me, though, it's, it's a movie that will immerse you from beginning to end and it's not that long, so you won't have to endure it, you know? Yeah, it's, 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 a not, it's not a lengthy film. It's a nice, short, well-written, well-paced thriller. All right. Because, like, with a lot of movies, I, I find it hard to sit through movies. Like, I can get mm. bored very easily. So when a movie's too long, then I'm just like, yeah, whatever, I'm out. Another thing, it's, it's a bit of a horror movie. Not a fan. So we're just gonna start okay, so, this way. All right. We're just gonna start yeah, this right. way. Okay. Yeah, I know. We're gonna we're gonna yeah we're gonna start you off at a in a in a difficult place, and hopefully it'll be nothing but uphill smooth sailing. Well, I'm really mixing my metaphors here, but yeah, it won't <laughs> won't be this bad going forward. And you know what? We should say just with regards to your um, difficulty sitting through long movies. Hopefully, through this whole experience, you'll be able to I don't know develop some kind of patience. Or tolerance more for long movies because we also know that you're a really um you're a really active guy like so for the listeners out there who don't know Gabriel he's like a climber and he's um he's really swole you know and uh <laughs> he likes to do sports and stuff and so yeah he's very active and so maybe there's an element of restlessness to him but yeah hopefully you'll be able to acquire an, more of an ability to just sit through movies and appreciate them yeah yeah I guess absolutely I guess this whole podcast is for me to like just get over all these like stupid little pet peeves that I have and to just like properly appreciate what you guys appreciate basically. That's that's what I want to do. I want to see I want to see film the way you guys see film. 
That's that's the main objective here. And I think for us, it presents a particular challenge because then we have to consider your restlessness and we have to consider the fact that perhaps you can't be fixated in one thing, which is why uh, the, 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 the picking and choosing of these films comes to a very meticulous, you know, strategical way of planning it. So these films that we give you each time we select a particular theme are very strategically placed. So consider that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, like a little, I don't know, like a martial arts and you guys are like my sensei. So nice. you guys, you guys show me the way and I'll follow. All right. I just, I just bowed. I just <laughs> bowed to you, Gabriel. <laughs> That's great radio. <laughs> okay. Super. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and I guess I'll just call you guys back in a couple of days after I watch this movie. That sounds good. All right, dude. So we're back. And I've just watched the movie. Well, I watched it last night. But wow, guys. Yo. Yo. This is <laughs> <laughs> like it. So you guys told me it was a scary movie, right? And mm-hmm. And you guys told me it was short. So I was like, those two kind of had an influence on each other. Like I had, I kept myself going because I knew it wasn't going to like last long, you know, but even with all of that, right. I was like, Whoa, the movie's over. Like, that's it. (laughs) I I, I need more. I need more. And uh, guys, like it it was such a sick movie. Like I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It was like I don't I don't really know where to begin. Like the first aspect is obviously the musical thing. I really enjoyed that. Like it seemed mm. very well researched in punk. Like I'm not really that familiar with punk, but it just seems like that type of like the characters fit, you know? Mm. I thought mm. that was really cool. Like I loved the band members. Um I was kind of disappointed, you know, like I, I thought more of them would survive. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Classic tale, classic survival tale there. Who yeah. is going yeah. to survive? And that's one of the things I kind of, um, I mean, this will talk in, this will like play into a larger conversation perhaps, but I really liked how characters do just get killed off really abruptly mm-hmm. um, with very little, um, you know, pomp and circumstance, very little fanfare. And yeah, they kind of just disappear from the movie. And it, uh, when you're watching it, it feels a little, um, you're left feeling a little bit bereft because you kind of grow to, a, you know, feel a kinship with these characters and mm. you're rooting for them, but then they're just killed off so suddenly and then it just cuts to the next scene. And I think that just kind of, it, it, the impact is felt harder because of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like there's no dramatization in each of these deaths it's it's like a life you know you die you get killed and that's what happens Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. like in the it was like i think right after the the performance scene where they where they just walk back into the room Mm -hmm. there's just the person just lying there on the floor you know and she was there present in the room the entire time the movie was going on but like the way it was filmed, it was like purposefully not drawing attention to it, even though it was there. 
And that's something that I found pretty interesting. Like, I thought that was really cool. And just the way the mm-hmm. movie just makes you ask questions the entire movie, you know? Well, what do you mean? Like, what kind of questions? Well, like, it kept on every every single time they they gave you a new piece of information. They're like, oh, look, you can see uh, light coming in from this corner. Oh, here, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, pass me the gun. Every time they answer that question, 10 more questions come up, you know? It's like, damn, so what are they going to do now? Like, how are they going to do this? What are they going to do there? Like, it was constantly um, activating parts of my brain. I was just like firing off, you know? It, I, I didn't know where the movie was going. And I loved how they did that, especially with the way they just killed off characters one after the other. You can't have favorites in this, in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately not. And I think I think I know what you're talking about, Trebriel. Um, and before we continue further, spoiler alerts, obviously. Um, but when I watched it the first time, I had that uh, I had multiple questions in my mind racing at each scene because I think, and that's and that's probably um, the job of the writer and the director actually because jeremy Saulnier, i think that's how you say his name he wrote and directed this and i think props to the writing on keeping you intrigued and keeping you asking questions because even when you are faced with um the neo-nazis or um patrick stewart's character the conversations they have leave you perplexed because you're like what are they talking about oh right they're trying to cover all this up and then how are they going to do it as the drama elevates, as it gets messier, they try to like subdue a lot of the uh, a lot of the accidents that have occurred, and they try to basically cover themselves up so that they don't get found out by the police. Yeah. And I think that's maybe what the questions are all about: is like, how are they going to do that, and then how are they going to escape, and then what's that about? What are they talking about here? It, yeah. it keeps you on on a, on a forward momentum of, of of exploration and of keeping you curious. And to do that in one hour and a half, I mean, that's it's crazy, and it takes a lot out of you. I feel. Yeah, yeah I think when you're first when you're watching the movie, and the plot really kicks in, you think at first that maybe because they're not explaining straight from the get go why this happened or what who are the people involved. You think, okay, maybe they're just not going to tell us. Maybe that's not what's important. Maybe it's going to be more of a realistic film in that way. But when you get to the end of it, you realize they've kind of like covered all of their bases and tied up all the loose ends. And they've given you all the information you need to know. But they're doing it in a way where they're really trusting the audience just to stick with them. And they're parceling it out in a really natural fashion. And um, yeah, I, I, I think this works really well. Yeah, I, I yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed like everything about the movie. Well, not everything. There were a few things that I didn't enjoy, but it's oh, not go on. necessarily. Tell us, tell us what it's you not did. necessarily a bad thing. You know what I mean? Is it's just I didn't mm-hmm. enjoy it. You know, like the, like it's pretty gory. the The movie is very <laughs> gory, and yeah. the one shot where um, the the girl just cuts open that dude. Like mm. that Mm-mm. was yeah. graphic. Mm-hmm. Like hashtag explicit content. Yeah, I remember watching this. The, the first time I watched it, I was watching it at home with my dad um, a good few years ago. And, you know, he's pretty good with, with, with you know, graphic stuff on, on television and in films. And so am I. But 
during that scene, I remember he just winced really sharply and like completely averted his eyes from the screen. For me, though, the most the, the, the most difficult bit of gore was when he's sticking his hand through the door to grab to hold on to the gun. Yeah. And then you don't see what's great about it is you don't see why he starts yelling out in pain and yeah. screaming and crying. They don't show you what's happening, but you just know with yeah. from a mixture of that and with the sound effect that they're absolutely just like hacking him to pieces. And then he pulls his arm out and like props to the um to the like the practical effects team here. Mm. It just looks like really chewed up, yeah. like, disgusting. Like you you look at that and you think, yeah, that guy's never getting, you know, full function back in those hands. Yeah, f- first thing I thought yeah. of was damn say goodbye to playing the guitar cuz Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> cuz that's his um like that's well, I can't even. That's his livelihood. Yeah. I don't, I, well, I, well, I was gonna say what hand it is. It's it's not the plucking hand. It's the other hand. I I wanted to say fingering hand, but that doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what, may, what maybe it is. May, maybe it is. Maybe it is, and I just have a disgusting <laughs> mind. Yeah. And I think I think um, yeah, the director kind of described the violence as full frontal gore which is what it is. I mean, you're really seeing uh, the full breadth of, of the violence, which is also very controversial because like, what is this violence for the points of violence? But I think he, um, and, I, and I did some research, uh, he went on record stating that, I mean, as much as you can see it as sadistic, he claims that it isn't and that every act of violence is a part um, of the film from the initiating incidents to you know the end of the film I mean each each act of violence is with is within reason within the realm of reason um it's not uh, it's not gratu- it's not gratuitous like all the characters not gratuitous. have a purpose yeah. behind this act of violence they're it doing it because they have no other option like it's pretty interesting that you say that because like while I was watching the movie I felt that um I don't know how to put it. Okay, so it's really weird. They made everyone seem so human, you know? Like, mm-hmm. they make mm-hmm. the neo-Nazis, like, stereotypically, they looked like neo-Nazis, you know? Like, the big boots, the mm-hmm. red laces that they kept talking about the entire movie. Um, yeah. the, the bomber leather jackets and all that, you know? In your mind, that yeah, they're neo-Nazis. But then when they're speaking, like, especially in the initial part of the movie, they just make them seem so human and relatable mm. in such a weird way. And then right after that, violence. And then, yeah. they, then they like bring it down and they're like, no, there's human aspects to them as well. And then they, I, like, I felt like that was happening a lot throughout the film. They'd like bring us up I, and bring us down and like show us different sides of the characters that not necessarily everyone would notice. Absolutely. I mean, the fact the fact that you view that already, I think that's the strength of the film. The fact that it depicts realness or authenticity, raw kind of characters that, and I mean, that's credit to um, the performance, the performances as much as it is, it is a credit to the writing. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and you really nailed it on, on the coffin, shall I say, to the, you know, to, des- to describe the depths <laughs> of these of these uh, these characters. 
because that's how brutal it is. They made it, they made it so real, so relatable that you can like immerse yourself in that world, even though like I'm not a punk rocker, but I can relate to these characters and their struggle. And then when there is a death, it's, it's, it's even more impactful, you know, yeah. because you yeah. start to really care. And I mean, I think, um, like you said, you, you guys were both talking about the realness, like how authentic and how human it seems. And I think the key word that popped into my head when I think of this film after having seen it for a second time is grounded. Like what's mm. surprising about this film is that if you were to read the IMDb summary or hear the premise, you know, uh, a band has to fight for their lives against a bunch of murderous neo-Nazis. <laughs> you'd think you were about to watch like a B movie. It's very yeah. pulpy. It sounds yeah. like something you'd see in a grindhouse theater and yet you watch it and there's a real degree of authenticity to it. Like, for example, I love how how clumsy and awkward the uh, violence is in the movie because I feel mm. like that's how people, I mean, that's how mo even like a, someone who knows how to use a gun would probably, you know, they, they, these guys don't turn into Rambo immediately. Mm. Like, they miss a lot, and they, um, well. they're clumsy, <laughs> and they di they even die in awkward ways, and nobody knows how to shoot someone. Yeah. Like, how, no one's, like, a skilled marksman or anything. Well, And it completely avoids Hollywood convention in that sense. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that was one thing. So one of the things that <laughs> bugged me um, was in the end when um, he kills... Uh, What's his name? Patrick Stewart. You know, mm. like it's just like boom, headshot, done. Like he just shot yeah, like, everyone yeah, yeah, one yeah. by one. And then, like, <laughs> this guy has one arm, right? And he's just going boom, boom, boom. And he's he's like putting these guys down, like as if it's modern warfare. Well, yeah. he didn't miss he didn't miss a couple of times, I think. And the Patrick Swayze had already been shot once by the shotgun, I think. By the Stewart, gun. not Swayze. Why did Patrick Swayze? What? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be a very different film. <laughs> interesting, um, interestingly alternate casting. Although I can see could it. Have I can see it. I can see Swayze. Uh, yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P. Patrick Swayze. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So I think he had been shot already. So he was on his knees, and I think they just wanted to give Anton Yelchin's character a lucky yeah. shot because I don't think he'd actually managed to shoot anyone by that point. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, but it's also the the, the transformation uh, of the, these characters uh, taken into account throughout the film. So you you see Anton Yalkin's character, um, who God, I forgot Pat, right? His, his name was Pat. Um, he went from being the really vulnerable, kind of doubtful, didn't really know how to even express himself to a more grounded and more militaristic kind of you know way of surviving and I think um and I love this monologue the monologue he gives about the paintball um, oh, about how he describes his his paintball experience with these uh navy seals right yeah and um I think that's the transformation that he undergoes is that you kind of have to drop all these plans that you you think you're going to get out this way you think you're going to get out that way but they have everything under control from the outside so the only way you can go in is you know guns blazing so that his that is his transformation so and and I mean what a performance from Anton Yalkin who RIP as well was was a fantastic actor I was a big fan I was a big fan of that yeah uh, and I think, but I think at the same time, there is a, there is certainly a transformation in his character. By the end of it, he's certainly a more hardened mm. person and 
more comfortable with violence, perhaps. But at the same time, you bring up that paintball speech, and I think that's a perfect example of how this movie really defies um, typical Hollywood conventions mm. or the tropes that you'd see in in action movies or thrillers. Because he start when he first tries to give that speech, it's not really working, and nobody's listening. And then um, Imogen Poot's character says, "Oh, was was that your pep talk?" And if this were a different movie, if this were a more stereotypical film, it'd be this really rousing speech that has a big impact on everyone. But it's not. It doesn't connect with most of the people. And he's cut off halfway through. And so I think that's one of the ways in which this movie is trying to, you know, uh, identify the the gulf between what movies are like and what real movies, yeah. real life is like. Like, I, I felt the same way when they were talking about uh, Desert Island Bounce. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. It, uh. it, it. it it's uh, like you explained it perfectly. It was like in the beginning, you know, you expect like all these punk rockers to be like, yeah, all these, really, <laughs> no one knows these bands and that's their favorite band, like, like the unknowns. And then towards the end of the movie, they're like, yeah, I like Prince. I like Madonna yeah. and Slayer. I like, <laughs> mm. um, I can't remember what uh, the other characters are. Oh, oh um, Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, Simon, Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. And then that's like how in a it moment, ends. That's how the movie ends on that. Well, on that question. But like that's, but like that. I think that's also another example of how this the director here, the writer director here, is flying in the face of convention because yes. throughout the whole, one of the through lines of the movies is that Anton Yelchin's character is finds it hard to give his answer. He he's unable. He doesn't know what his answer is in terms of the Desert Island bands. Like he, you never hear it from him. And then at the very end of the movie, he's like, "I've got it. I finally know what my Desert Island band is." And then the, the the only person that's around to hear it is like, tell someone who gives a shit. Yeah. And, just, and the movie ends and we don't get to hear it. Yeah. While the that's... interview that he was giving was playing in the background of their car. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that see, was so, so that's, cool. That's, that's, I mean, that's, again, credit to the writing. I mean, the clever dialogue that weaves in and out uh, of these characters, even the dialogue between and the dynamic between the neo-Nazis, you know, this gang of like who have strategy, who yeah. have ways of covering up, you know, there's, that's why it yeah. keeps you puzzled because it's like, I don't really understand what they're talking about, but you end up eventually understanding, but it's that the way the narrative is constructed, it's such, I don't know, a beautiful way of storytelling. And back to our theme of single location, it mm-hmm. gives you this anxiety because it's just one room. They're trying to escape this one place and it's like, it's this nightmare. And if I could go into um, just a little bit on the um, production side of it and how they filmed it. So it's set over the course, the film itself, it's set over the course of 16 hours in total. And the film was put over just a little, I think it was a little over 20 days. So they finished wrapping in just 20 days uh, and it was this high level of concentration, which, and I'm gonna bring up a quote here from um, Anton Yelkin, he says, if there's just one person in the room, seven people in a room that are putting out a lot of incredibly painful and volatile energy, you end up feeding off of that. There was a point which I looked around at Alia, she was crying, Joe, he was crying, Callum, he was crying, Imogen Putz was crying, uh, Eric, one of the uh, uh, members of the neo-Nazis was on the ground, like suffocated and huffing puffing, and I thought I was going to lose my mind. That was every day for 20 something days. And I think that inevitably that's what maintains that tension. And that quote, I think 
is is it sums up kind of the 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 energy and the atmosphere of that movie. It's mm-hmm. just high octane, just incredible energy, and that's what you watch. And yeah, you watching that, you also feel that palpable energy that they're yeah. sending through. Exactly, and um, you wouldn't get that energy from this film if it weren't uh, restricted mostly to that one location, mm-hmm. that single location, because you do get the sense of these people trapped in this confined space. And you do get the sense that these people were bouncing off the walls and bouncing off each other. And it just makes everything combust. Yeah, absolutely. It's that kind of phobia, right? That kind of claustrophobic energy that the film just gets right. And yeah. And, and I, I don't know if you if you noticed this, Jabriel, or if you noticed your mind doing this, but when I first watched it, I was also trying to figure out how the fuck they can get out. Like I was yeah. considering this and then they did it. I was considering that and they did that as well. So it really it it, it it makes the viewer not dumb. It, yeah. it, it it makes them also part of the film and part of the investigation on how they can get out. So I definitely felt that way. And then I also felt like my body position kind of changed like as the movie was going, you know, like while they were in that room, I felt really claustrophobic. And like, if you were to look mm-hmm. at me and watch this movie, I was probably like in a really weird, like, I don't know, kind of almost uh, fetal-like position, you know? Um, <laughs> and it was it was weird. I, I felt like I wanted to throw up at some points because it was just <laughs> so intense, but I still yeah. wanted to watch more. And that's the bottom line. This movie was amazing and I really just wanted to keep going, you know? Like, I never, mm-hmm. I never got bored. I was always like, okay. oh, shit, like, is... Like, are they going to try and use that? Like, they can definitely mm. use that as a weapon. Like, how come they're not locking it now? Like, the locking the door or... Well, that, that's well, that's my... Well, another thing I love about this movie is that these people, these characters are actually acting and thinking like real human beings. Yeah. Because yeah. one of the... I think one of the... A sign of a bad movie, in my opinion, is if the characters are acting in a way that just services the story or the film or where they need the story to go, mm-hmm. rather than... Uh, you know, going through the thought process and making the decisions that you could imagine real human beings do, do, doing, sorry. And so I love that, like you put it really well, Raph, you said that you were trying to strategize along with them, like searching for the exits, thinking of their next move. And the fact is that they, the fact that they did that then after you would spot that, uh, you know, it speaks really highly of how uh, well sketched these characters are and how, you know, human they are yeah Yeah. and how intelligent the script is you know it's 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 crazy that you can have something that grounded in reality uh have elements of horror and then have it be you know under the umbrella of neo-nazism and all flowing perfectly i mean those are like you're you're playing with big characters big themes big you know there's a lot of blood there's a lot of violence so the fact that the narrative kept it really well constructed and the fact I think the length of the film plays a whole lot as well because you have this film going on for maybe another 20 minutes 30 minutes you lose the rhythm you know you have it falling short you want more I think an hour and a half or I think it was an hour and 35 minutes to Mm -hmm. to be exact is perfect length for a kind of film like this to give you that clusterfuck I felt that all movies should strive to be as as good with time as this one was like like you said raf like it just flows incredibly well i think it flows perfectly like when you want it to 
to be chill. Like I felt, mm. uh, I, just, I don't, it's I don't just really, really well paced. You know, like when they're yeah. kind of down and calm, you feel calm, and mm. I feel you feel like you're there. You you, you feel like you're in the room with them. That's I guess that's the that's what I'm trying to say. You just you feel like you're with them, and I guess your film terminology is getting there, my friend. It's getting I'm there. Trying. I can I'm already trying. sense it. I'm trying. <laughs> like yeah, it's yeah. good. It's brilliant. But I wanted to ask you, Raf, like as an actor, what did you think of like? the performances from the actors like what do you think i mean who's your favorite uh, i mean for for me a favorite that would discourage the fact that it is an ensemble piece yeah i didn't have a particular favorite i mean there were standout performances just because maybe some characters had more to do or had a bigger role yeah but in i i think this this goes for everyone involved in this like the whole cast they all, even the minor characters were brilliant. Like, I think this was a fully fledged ensemble piece where everyone brought their fucking A game to, to yeah. the script and really, um, really went all out with each delivery, each line. They were all vulnerable at the same time. Like, you know, that quote that I just read, like they were all crying. They were all mm-hmm. in such high vulnerability, like high places of vulnerability, which, here's the tricky part with bringing along a cast like that you really have to get the chemistry right you really have to make sure that yes they get along yes there is um organic uh energies and organic um uh, relationships that can be formed there because that translates on film so a big part of this film would be the casting process they've really cast the perfect ensemble Everyone did brilliantly. I mean, fucking, you get Patrick Stewart to be a neo-Nazi, man. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's that's you. And, you have me sold oh, there. Oh, okay, yeah. So I I I, I, w- I want to come back to this, but let me just warn the the listeners that Sir Patrick does drop the N bomb. I think three times, and it's mm-hmm. very very weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's very strange. It's really weird seeing Captain Picard drop an end bomb. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, Professor X, you know? Or Professor yeah, X, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What a, you know, that I remember when this movie was coming out, um, I was following a lot of the buzz online before it debuted and then, you know, gathering up to its uh, theatrical release and then getting out on home video. And I remember a big part of the chatter was the fact that um, Patrick Swayze had been cast so against type. And I think you said Patrick Swayze be, again. Oh, for, oh my God. Wow, guys. Okay, there's some Freudian shit going on right here. Um, okay, sorry. Patrick Stewart uh, was being cast so against type as um, the leader of this neo-Nazi group. And, you you know, you could be forgiven for assuming that it would be this rather hammy, attention-grabbing performance. But it, I, I really like how grounded it is. Uh, I, I think he does a really – he gives a really good performance – and that's partly because he he keeps it at such a um, an eerily I don't know it's such an eerily steady um, balance the whole time. Yeah. yeah, it's he he never he very rarely raises his voice. He's usually operating on the same sort of energy level, and um, and he yeah he doesn't even raise his voice that much. But yeah. he's completely threatening, but very real as well. Yeah, um, uh, um, yeah, I. 
I did really like his performance, but I, I think I mentioned it yesterday, last night, like right after. Is he supposed to be like a neo-Nazi British expat in, in the US or something? <laughs> to open what a job a title. Bar? Like, because, <laughs> I'm you know, I don't know. I'm like, a neo-Nazi expat. Like, it was, it was, he, I felt like he could have had an American accent and I feel like he could have pulled it off. I think he was, I, I don't know. I didn't, I thought he sounded, that sounded like an American accent to me. Maybe not one that you would hear commonly. Uh, I feel like the people, like the characters that surrounded him all had pretty recognizable accents except for him. Yeah, but then that maybe added to the mystique yeah. of his character that you don't, you can't exactly tell where he might, you know, it, he doesn't sound like necess- like he necessarily comes from the same place as all those around him. Yeah. He doesn't sound um, too familiar. And maybe that, yeah, that plays into the aura that he projects as the leader of this um, group of neo-Nazis. Yeah. Well, I, I, got o- I got over it really quick. Yeah, I think that's the thing with with Patrick Stewart. He can get away with that. Yeah, Patrick fucking Stewart. You know, he's even if there is a slight tinge in the accent, like he will sell you with a wholehearted performance. And Ollie, he he said it right. Like it was grounded. It seemed effortless for him. It's like fucking breathing. You know. So yeah. But hey, good good on you to have a critical mind. That's that's what we need. You can definitely tell that his acting background is very, very um, theater-based. You know, it's like when him or uh, Ian McKellen are acting, you can see their face acting, you know? Like, the amount of control that they have is just, it's just amazing. You know, when you, you're like, the mu- they can control every muscle in their face to, to make you believe that they are the people they're playing. And I feel a lot of actors don't really do that. Well, you know, and it's no, it's absolutely. it's funny as well that you mentioned that because not all actors who are celebrated on the stage are able to make that transition successfully to the screen because, I mean, obviously, I think I'm the wrong person on this podcast to be talking about this since we are in the presence of an actor. But uh, I think, well, you know, stage, <laughs> <laughs> but stage acting and film acting are two different disciplines. And there are examples of actors who are considered some of the best stage actors of all time, like Laurence Olivier, mm. who, if you watch films that they're in, I don't know, they they weren't a, a natural presence in front of the camera. Yeah. Yet people like Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, I think, really did manage to um, make that transition well. And, um, and yeah, yeah I, I think they, you know, they're both just really magnetic on the screen. Yeah. Absolutely. And thank God we get to see them both play at the same time. I mean, what a world we live in. Amazing. Mm. Well, I wanted to jump back to the character thing again. Um, another character that I really enjoyed was uh, the club promoter guy. Oh, well, the guy with the mohawk. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, the, the guy that uh, called the cops. You know that. Oh yeah. When they were... No, he's he's my he's my. I think that is like he's the secret weapon of the film. I, think I love him. One of the best I think his character was was great, and I love how they used him. And I thought the performance was amazing. And yeah. he's he's that guy's called Macon Blair, by the way, and he was the star of Jeremy Sonier, the director's first film, okay. Blue Ruin, which is um really a, a really fantastic piece of work so well possibly check that out for the future like room. another mm-hmm. episode of the movie newbie <laughs> yeah 
Absolutely. So, okay, Jabriel, now that we've discussed at length this film, what would you, let's say if you were given a rating, what would you rate it out of 10? What would you give out this little film? Out of 10. Ooh, that's tough. Because, mm. you know, like I, I've only watched a handful of movies, so my scale wouldn't be that great. Um, critical yeah I, I don't know i feel like it'll change once i start rating more movies but Absolutely. honestly like nine and a half nine or maybe oh, ten damn. like, like pretty that. high yeah. i think it was it's good it's a very very good movie uh um, props to raf for choosing this film by the way um, yeah because we're starting this off on a real positive note mm, start off strong really yeah. great gritty gritty brutal and strong what about you guys? What do you guys rate it? So we can get like a little gauge. I, Jabril, right next to you, man. I put it at a nine on, on IMDb. That's, that's kind of where I rate my films. Okay. I wish they had the 0. 0.1, 0. 0.2, the, the decimals. They don't, so I can just round up to <laughs> nine. But if I could put a decimal, I would, I would put 9.4. It okay. would be on the high, on the high nines. Yeah. Okay. What yeah, about you, Ollie? I would, uh, yeah, I would, um, yeah, I, 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 so I actually, when I first watched this film, I really, really enjoyed it. And I really came away um, admiring it a lot. But I think rewatching it again, I think I enjoyed it even more. So this is a really tight film. And I could see myself coming, coming back to it a lot in the future. So, yeah, I'd give it a zero out of ten, I think. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> nine out of ten. <laughs> After all that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, this is... Yeah, this is, you know, as good as genre filmmaking gets, in my opinion. Absolutely. And it all goes downhill from there. All the rest <laughs> yeah. of the films are shit. <laughs> well, before we wrap it up, I just wanted to close with a question, just an open question for all of us to answer and for our listeners to answer as well. So I guess coming from just watching that movie, guys, what's your Desert Island ban? Oh, great <laughs> question. Uh, that is a good question. I think I would have to settle and go with Queen. They've always been my band growing up, so I would choose them. <laughs> that was my wife. That was my wife screaming, uh, Christina Aguilera, who I've already watched live. I don't need to watch again. Yeah. And now to the viewers out there, they know that I've watched Christina Aguilera live. Dude, she's great. Hey, she's amazing. Yeah, I was I was enthralled throughout. And what about you, Ollie? Um, yeah, it's a difficult question because it's not just like the band that you enjoy listening to the most. It, you got to consider the their, the breadth of their catalog, like how diverse it is mm. and how much there is to be listening to while you're stuck on that desert island. Um, yeah, I'd probably have to go with a bit of a weird choice, Nina Simone. Ooh. I'm just like a really big fan of hers. She's my favorite singer. And she just covers a lot of ground in her discography. So I feel like there'd be a lot to dig into while I'm, you know, wasting away on the island. She would be fast, like fascinating just to talk to. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think she'd probably shoot me in the head pretty quickly. Yeah, maybe. She did. She did. <laughs> there's this, she did have a reputation for firing, firing openly at people who tried to visit her home. Yeah, really? No, but sure. yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Jabriel is not choosing Nina Simone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, Jabriel. What's your choice? I I think it's a, such a tough question as well. 
Because like it would it would be like me asking you guys favorite movie, unless you guys have favorite movies. But yeah. that's for another another podcast. <laughs> that's um, another question. So I think I'm gonna have to go with Jimi Hendrix. Mm. Ah, yeah. nice choice. Jimi Hendrix yeah. definitely. Because I love he would, he would teach you music. the ways. Yeah, he's just he's just sick. He's just awesome. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So I guess we'll wrap it up All there. Right. So guys, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, download, five stars, anything you want. Uh, leave a comment, whatever. <laughs> I don't know how all this works. This is the first episode, so <laughs> cut us some slack. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we're going to have an Instagram up sometime soon. So just follow us up from there and uh, you'll get all your updates. And if you want to like send us a DM and talk to us, we might reply. Who knows? And yeah, so it was nice talking to you guys. Absolutely. Nice talking to you and, and to those that are listening. If you are listening, thanks for listening and keep tuning in if you're intrigued. Yeah, thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs>